20 years ago, I was injured on the job, which left me with a severe permanent disability. It forced me to discover my true passion and purpose. It wasn't until I started my direct sales business and later became one of the company's gratitude ambassadors that I realized I am a giver, a humanitarian, a cheerleader, and have a deep desire to inspire others. I had no idea it was possible to have a bigger impact until I launched my podcast to inspire others to live their passion, reclaim their purpose, and be open to so many possibilities. I am your host, Candace Snyder, and this is the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities Podcast. So we're back for another episode of Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities. And today my guest is Matthew Brackett. Born the 10th of 13 children from a small town in New England, Matthew has 30 plus years of experience in the field of personal and professional leadership, education, and development. He held leadership, educational, and consulting roles in Italy, Ireland, England, Colombia, Chile, and Mexico, as well as serving as a special staff officer and chaplain in the United States Navy. A professional certified coach and certified speaker of the John Maxwell Leadership Team, Matthew completed his master's degrees in spiritual theology and human development from the universities in Rome, Italy, specialized studies in counseling, family, and education at Los Andes University in Chile, and a master's degree in the psychology of leadership from Pennsylvania State University. He is also fluent in Spanish and Italian. Welcome, Matthew, to the podcast. Candice, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share the microphone with you and with your people. This is fantastic. You have such a diverse background, and I really think it's important that we like set the stage a little bit for our listeners so that they can get to know you a little bit and how you ended up where you are now and what you're doing. Because, you know, on the podcast, we're all about like the things we're passionate about, how we're finding our purpose. And then, of course, the world, world of possibilities out there for the future. So maybe you can share with us what it was like to be like 10 of 13 children and how leadership comes into play when you're one of that many children growing up. Right. (laughs) Yes. That's a whole chapter in and of itself. Just talk about what it's like to be in such a large family, which for us was normal because that was, that was the known element, right? We're like, not, not everyone's like this. (laughs) But people, it's always a good icebreaker. People find it very fascinating. The 10th of 13, I have two, I have a brother and a sister that are adopted. And I always jokingly say that they, my parents had to outsource in order to improve the quality. As a family. <laughs> but that speaks to really to just the family dynamic, the generosity of my parents. And they, my, and I remember my dad telling me this on a few days before he passed away, actually, sharing that having children was the greatest way that he could make a difference in the world and in eternity because his children would live forever. Wow. 
And so they, they, my parents lived with a very generous heart in that way and their, and their openness to life. And then and so much also in just helping other, other families. And we all, in our house, we always, not only do we have all of, all of my siblings living there, but we, there was always someone else living at the house and either a relative that was going through a hard time, um, family members that were in maybe getting separated or were just in financial difficulties. And so there were, there was always room for more. And and that was just the way my that's the way my parents lived life, and so I think that that, and if you look at that of all my siblings, they they've all held leadership roles and they've all been very successful in that. And I think one of the fam- things about the family dynamic was, we, I think we we all got very good at um, interpersonal relationships <laughs> because that's what we grew up in, and I think there was there was also. Um, a generous and just a goodness of heart that we were trained in and educated in in our, in our family upbringing. And also, even though they didn't use the word back then, emotional intelligence, that I think among all my, a lot of my siblings, is, there's that. And so it's helped everyone succeed in their, in their work, in their professional life, and also in their personal life. So those are some aspects. Another thing that they taught us, my parents, is that from a very young age, we had to take on responsibilities at the home, home, whether it was mowing the grass, working in the gardens, whether it was, we had a few animals, right? We had two horses and some chickens and sheep and other things along the way that came and went. And, and we didn't, we weren't farmers. We didn't, my parents didn't need to have that, but they did that because they wanted the home to be sort of the playground for their kids. And that they had everything that we needed to explore, to be curious, to experience, and that we would invite our friends over. And also to teach us from a very early age the sense of responsibility. Because whose job was it to care for all the animals? It was our job, right? And so, so I think that taught us as well to be, to be very responsible and, and teamwork from, from a very young age. I think this is fantastic. And I, and I do feel like you giving this perspective of what it was like to grow up in such a large family can really make people think because, you know, what is it on average, there's 2.5 kids in a family, or at least that's what it was me, you, you know, when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. So to, to understand this and what that was like, and yes, I'm thinking like, okay, 13 kids plus people coming in and out that your family's trying to help the animals it is a lot of like everybody has to take on a role and everybody has to be a leader in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're just taking care of yourself or maybe you're responsible for helping one sibling or one extra person that's staying at the house or one animal. There's all a, a way in there that you're you're affected by leadership. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, so, there's much we could talk about here, but just uh, about... Yeah. Know big families and small families, and it's not either or. It's just a lot of I think a lot of people can see children as well. It's I mean then there's government policies. I don't think they make the government and the social life doesn't make it easy to have a lot of children. It's very it's very it's become very expensive. Yes, yeah. Think of that, and they can also see children as a way they they get in the way of personal freedom. So again, it's also when people get married or when they want to have children, those are personal, very personal decisions that they have to make, right? And to be responsible. Well, I'm, my parents made that decision from the very beginning that they were going to um, have as many children as came their way. And yeah. They were going to adapt <laughs> along the way. That was 
decision they made. And I wish I wish government would make it easier for because when you in the long run, when you look at the big picture, um, I see I see a lot of parents, you know, when they, they get older, and if they um, if or for whatever reason they had very few kids or just one child, there's a lot of loneliness, and then there's and then there's not this teamwork of who takes care of the parents, right? And so then a lot of parents get left in nursing homes and all those other things, which which is hard, right? And I don't think so it's I think this is a, this is a whole topic that we Oh yes, we could definitely there's so many things that we could chat about family dynamics. Right. And, and you know, even just the su- subset here of yeah. having adopted siblings too and what that might have, mm-hmm. you know, entailed. But I know that we want to talk about leadership and we want to help people that are trying to be out there in the leadership role, but you have such a diverse background in like all the education that you have and mm. all the travels that you have have had and still having because you're we're talking and you're in Mexico City or it's where you're living right now. Mm-hmm. So I know that you, you know, you were in the Navy, you were a chaplain, and that brings a whole different perspective of leadership uh-huh. and also diversity. Yes. So Let's talk a little bit about that and how, wh- how did you end up being like the chaplain in the Navy? <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's a lot to this. I want to, I wanna, let me stop on diversity for a second, because when people mm-hmm. look at, you know, a white um, male, you know, a white heterosexual cisgender male, right? And so even going through diversity training, people would, it was a very interesting experience because everyone looked at me like, what are you doing here? Right? Why, why are you in this diversity space? But when you look at my background, first of all, I'm very passionate, and we'll talk about that at the end, about the human person right? and the, the uniqueness of each individual. And, and, and that's really what, in the end, what's the diversity and equity and inclusion is all about. And, but I think the fact that people kind of took to when they saw me in the diversity space um, also speaks of how um, biases can go on any, in any direction, right? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I sort of felt um, like I wasn't supposed to be there. But when you look at my background, my education, right, and my the intercultural and international experiences, I think I'm, uh, I'm that's why I'm, I'm very passionate about also the diversity space and a holistic diversity, you know, a holistic approach to diversity because of that background. And when I went into the Navy, part of it, because my background is in, is in professional formal ministry. I was a Catholic priest for 20 years. Add on to that 20, 10 years of education and training. But I, I wanted to do ministry in the armed forces for a few reasons. One was because the people that serve, is really it's about serving those that serve. The people that serve are very in very unique positions. And because of their mission, because of what they've, you know, they raise their hand to, to, to serve in that way. And it's very, it's very unique culture, very unique world, it's very it's a very specific mission. So there's also specific tensions and, and challenges that are there. And it's a very young population. And because I wanted to minister not only to Catholics, usually in the Catholic world and as a priest, what you people that <laughs> you minister to people that are Catholic and the ones people that are usually showing up at the church or in Catholic circles or whatever. And I was like, I wanted, I want to sort of way beyond that. I want to meet people at the fringes. I want to meet people also where they're at in life and wherever that is. And I saw ministry in the Navy as as a, as a way to do that. 
I also stepped in because I knew that it would be very good for me and my own personal growth. And that because of my ministry experience, I would have a lot to offer the, the Marines and the sailors. And, and in my own personal life, because of where I was, I was at that point, I was wondering if ministry was the place for me to be. It was a, a way to, to continue discerning and clarifying and if I was going to stay in that role or not. So leaving the leaving ministry and then, and then leaving the Navy became very difficult because I loved the ministry so, so, so much. And I was at a great place in life. But I knew deep down that, that it wasn't the place for me. And so it was just a question of time when to see what, when the timing was right to step away. So, so it became a very, very challenging decision. And also because I knew I was walking away from a lot of Marines and sailors that, that I loved to serve and that I could continue serving. So it was like any decision, there's always sacrifice involved. Yeah. So, but I also knew why I knew, I knew at that point, I knew very well why I was making the decision and why I was stepping into the, into this new role. So when you finally made that decision to like move on to the next thing that was supposed to be your path and you were getting all this education and leadership, mm -hmm. how, how was it that you decided like, okay, it's coaching that I'm going to lean into and speaking and right. sharing, sharing this gift that you have? Yes, I, I would consider myself, I suppose, uh, a minister always at heart. And I don't mean to have any specific faith, just to serve people, right? to love and care for people. So that's that's really very much part of who I am. Now, so that's why I saw coaching and education as a very natural fit, because that's what I, that's what I did my whole life. And coaching is just, it's, a, it's one way that, that care and ministries can be expressed. Um, and it was the coaching market was growing a lot. Um, I think when I went into seminary years ago, the, co the word coaching in, in this, that specific type of understanding of coaching didn't exist. Um, so it sort of it came. And then I said, well, that would be, it would be a very natural fit because I'm very comfortable in the one-on-one -on -one, um, relationship or in the group relationship, in the group coaching. And I'm very comfortable in the public speaking or in the educational space because that's what I, I did for so many years. Um, so I saw it as, as just a natural fit and a way to continue in a, from a different perspective or different angle, but to continue serving people. Yeah. So you would mention servant leader, and we right. hear that term a lot, but I don't think everybody knows what really servant leader means. So maybe we could chit chat about that a little bit. Yes. So let me, and let me just explain a little bit about leadership. Leadership, um, this is another topic I'm passionate about because I'm passionate about people. Leadership is, is a, an experience, a human experience that has been and will always be part of who we are as human beings. And leadership, I, we understand in the very simplest of terms as influence, the way we influence us. So it's not only, it's not being about being in positions of leadership. But I'm, I'm passionate about partly because it's part of the human experience, but also because good, healthy leadership is so life-giving for people, whether this happens in the personal life, whether it happens in the family, in, in marriage, in community relationships, whether it happens in the professional space, that when we positively influence each other, it is so life-giving 
and it builds people up and it is so it is so good but when it's not healthy when it's dysfunctional or toxic it is so destructive and when we bring that to certain spaces like the family or we bring it to spaces like the faith space um I mean, dysfunctional toxic leadership is always damaging, but in some spaces it can be even more damaging because it touches deeper fibers of the human person. So that's why I, I, I get excited and passionate about the topic of leadership and, that we're, and how we can lead better. And now when you talk about certain leadership, there's many types of leadership. So if I go by leadership as influence, but leadership in a more, in more complete definition, leadership is a process. It's a very dynamic process of influence of someone over others to reach a common goal. Okay, so it's sort of a neutral process. We're not saying if it's, a, if it's positive influence or negative or if the goal is good or bad. Okay, and then my own personal definition, I would, I would sort of expound on that, on more of the, there's a more ethical and moral element to it, and that this influence is positive and that we empower people and we enable people to reach their full potential and a common goal. And, and that's, I think that's the, the best leadership is about that is helping people reach their full potential and in doing so that we're also reaching a common goal together. Yeah. So personal development and reaching a common goal. Those are, for me, those are very important elements in the, in the leadership process. And in leadership, I don't mean to turn this into a class. No, 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 no. Leadership, there's three elements, which is the leader, the followers, and the context. And that's why it's a very dynamic process because these three things play off of each other. And in, in the, and the art of leadership, part of it is really understanding the context and understanding the type of leadership, the leadership style that is needed in this specific context. So I would never say that there's one right way to lead. Right? A lot of some of it's personal, based on personality and style. Another thing is it's also based on context. And that's the art, is how to apply the right type of leadership to the to a certain context. So when we talk about servant leadership, we could talk about adaptive leadership, we could talk about um, transformational leadership. These are more of the more common term or ones that are talked about today. But there's so many types of sort of schools of leadership or theories, and they all have, they're all, they all complement each other because they all sort of shed light on a different angle of, of leadership. So servant leadership is really, and that was got, that was developed by Greenleaf. I can't remember his. I think it was Richard Greenleaf. And he developed this thought. It was very Bible-based. He was a very he was, he was a Christian man, and so it was very much based on Judeo-Christian values of of serving people. And so this so that's it's a very simple concept. Servant leadership is about look seeing. It's not about power, but it's it is the power of care. It's the power of kindness, the power of care, and the power of clarity. That I serve, I have my people, and it's about them growing. Mm-hmm. And that's why the whole thing about empowerment and self and development of others is um, and reaching their full potential is, is very much part of servant leadership. I serve my people so that they can be better, so that they can grow. And in just a few words, that's that's partly what what servant leadership is all about. Um, which goes against the in in Greenleaf saw this. He saw that there a lot of trend in leadership was about power. It's very much focused on the person in the position of leadership, and not focused on the people. Um, and so he, that's how he began to look at, at that and came up with his theory of servant leadership, which, which has proven to be, it's, has proven to be very helpful for so many people, so many people talk about it because I think it resonates 
in today's culture and today's people, it resonates a lot. It's a reaction towards that, that very power authoritative type of leadership. Um, but there's also in the academic world, there's not a whole lot of documentation as yet on, on that proves the theory. But the fact is that the human experience has proven it to be very good. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's what's most important. The reason I find this really fascinating, to, and I'm so glad that you elaborated on this and explained this because as a person who has been in direct sales for many years, and have seen this whole, you know, we're taught, you know, through direct sales, you know, the empowerment, the conferences, the training, all this stuff about leadership and what that means. And when we talk about like diversity, this just like popped into my head. And you think about how diverse people in a position of power or leadership are. Like there's a whole nother like dynamic here and how it translates into how you're leading. Like, here's just a, for like a thought and a, for instance, so say you're giving a, a presentation, right? And you're this strong personality and you're trying to motivate everybody that's in the audience, but not everybody in the audience has that same personality. So how do you connect as that leader to more people, of course, obviously you're not going to connect with everybody that's sitting in the audience because it's just, that's impossible, but how do you like connect to more people when you're talking about, like you just said, how you're all have like the same mission, like you're on, you're on the same team, you're on the same mission and you want to have the same like outcome, right? Cause you're, you're working as a team, but how do you do that? When you're the leader and you're trying to get everybody on board, so to speak. Yes. There's two things that come to mind. One is, or maybe three things. One is it's very important that the, the person in leadership, that they are very much at home with themselves. When we lead from a place of insecurity or a place of needing to prove ourselves, there's sort of a very artificial element. And that will, whether we want it or not, that will come across as what they would call as inauthentic and people can sense that and so you automatically lose credibility and and also when you're when you come from that place you're also not reading your audience or the your people right so that's one aspect is to be very much and that's why self-awareness i'm going to go on a tangent here but self-awareness is the greatest leadership asset and the lack of self-awareness is the greatest leadership liability because when the person leader is not does not know themselves, has not looked themselves in has not done a lot of personal work, and that will be detrimental to their leadership style. Right now, the, the challenge is that some we as human beings we all think that we're totally self-aware, right? We, <laughs> and it's so we we're already starting off on the wrong foot when we think that we we know everything so perfectly about ourselves. But the fact is that we have a lot of blind spots, and. And in leadership, we have to be willing to kind of let those blind spots be revealed to us. Oftentimes, they will be revealed to us through others, just in like in a relationship. And anyway, as human beings, we dis we discover ourselves through the other, mm -hmm. or we through the eyes of another. And that's one way. We all have these blind spots, and so self awareness is so important. And that's why I would encourage anyone in leadership roles to work on themselves to 
to, I mean, that's partly why I do what I do is to help people grow in that self-awareness just through the coaching process or journey or whether you go to therapy or whatever, that you, you're, it forces you to slow down and to pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on around you, to pay attention to what's going on inside of you. And so your self-awareness grows, your emotional intelligence grows, your decision-making improves, and, and the development of your leadership abilities also improves. Right. So I went on sort of a tangent there, but that's, and that's why that's so important in, in leadership. Now, the other thing is, in leadership, we, I want a message to, I want a message to be heard by my people. In other words, I want them, I have a message. I want to communicate it clearly, and I want them to, to understand the message that I'm trying to communicate. And that means that I have to communicate it in a way that they will receive it. So this is about, in the communication process, it's about understanding that the receiver, that there's a receiver, and that the receiver has a certain frequency in which they need to receive a message. Right? So that's also important. And that's sometimes what we don't think about. Well, leaders are like, well, this is the way I am. This is the way I communicate. Well, but do you want your people to understand the message and to receive it or not? And so this is understanding the frequency of your people, and this is you know, and everyone functions on a different frequency and different and a different channel. So that's again, that's one of the challenges in leadership. Now, as a group, there's we have to find a way to communicate to your group. And as you said with your example, you know, there's some people that won't be attracted to a certain style. But that goes back to I think when when a leader communicates from an authentic place, at least from just a place of sincerity, then their message will be. I think it will be well received by all. With some, it will resonate more. With others, it will resonate less. Okay, and, but you have to again to adapt your style. If you come across as overpowering, you have to know that you're going to lose certain people. If you come across as as weak, you're also have to know that you're going to learn. You're going to lose certain people. So that's all just learning how to communicate and learning how to communicate in the, on the big stage to to a large crowd, and then and then individually. To understand that, as I said before, people are functioning on different channels, different wavelengths, and so, and that's the art of leadership as well as being able to deal with each person. Because in the end, I want them to receive a message. I want them to feel motivated, right, to perform well. And and there's different things that motivate different people. Right? So, it sounds complex because there is a complexity to it, but there also is a simplicity to it. Just to to know your people. Yes. People as a group or as a team, and then to know your people individually. I love that, Matthew. That was great. And I don't feel like you went off on a tangent at all. I think it was very relevant. That's cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. So tell tell us what is like your with your coaching business and and teaching leadership, what is your like specialty? Do you have a specialty field or is it pretty is that pretty diverse? <laughs> it is. I mean, in my own, at least from an entrepreneurial perspective, that's been one of my challenges is learning how to niche down because as you and I know, it's, it's very important. But it's challenging because I want, you know, I, I like to do so many things. I want to do so many things. I want to serve so many people. And like, whoa. But again, but I've learned as I've done, it's important to niche down. So my a lot of my focus is, and individual coaching is really geared towards people in senior leadership roles, but I meet people at the intersection between the personal and professional. Now, a lot of executive coaches would focus on the profession. 
that's not where I that's not where I focus. That's not where I sit. I sit at the intersection between the personal and professional because I believe that they are directly connected, and that if you want to lead better, and love better, and live better, as is my phrase for my company, right? Lead, love, and live better. Then we have to meet at that intersection because that's going to influence both sides, right? Um, as far as professional and personal. Um. So that's really that's my sweet spot. And so it has to be someone who's willing to to sit at that intersection and deal with both both of those and things that collide at that intersection so that we can create a lot of healthy flow rather than collision. Um, and then on the educational piece, there's just a lot of aspects of leadership. But you know, when I talk about leadership, I, I start with individual leadership, how I lead myself, how I influence myself, because in the end, I am my own leader and follower because we have these voices in our heads and in our being where I have a vision, I have a mission, I have values, right? But I also follow myself. So how do I lead and how do I follow myself? That's more leadership one-on-one. That's where it starts. And that's where I like to start. And, and then it overflows and then how, you know, and then there's then we just talk about different types of leadership. And there's an educational piece about how to develop leadership skills because as I said, each theory has so much value. And so to understand those, see what resonates with someone, see what's their most natural leadership style, the art of learning to adapt that, and leadership of teams and, and groups, which is always um, can be complex, going back to the, what we were already talking about. And I like to talk about dysfunctional and toxic leadership for a few reasons, because it um, usually it's an experience that people have had, so it's relatable. Mm-hmm. And secondly, by understanding dysfunctional and toxic leadership, we can then understand better what healthy and wholesome leadership looks like and, and how to make, how to live that and how to be very careful so that it doesn't lead to dysfunctional and toxic leadership. And ethics and leadership is another aspect. So a lot of areas are surround to around leading better and all the different things that come from that. And I like to talk about love and leadership because going back to what we're saying about servant leadership, I've loved and leadership is love and love is leadership. And, and love is not a soft word. We know that, I mean, sacrifice is the language of love. So when you love, love is commitment. Love is sacrifice. Love is giving yourself for others, right? And love is also about in leadership relationship. It's about knowing how to communicate clearly. Love is about, you know, communicating that message clearly because I care about the other people and I want them to receive it the way I intended to be received. But it's also about having difficult conversations. When you love your people, you're going to have difficult conversations. When you love your people, you're going to give feedback and you're going to give it in the, in, the, in the best way possible so that the message is received. And so love is not, it's not an easy word, right? And so when we lead, and when we lead with love, your leadership is going to be so much more effective. You're going to maybe laugh at this because I'm thinking, I love that you're using the word love. And I love the fact that, yes, you know, you're, you're male. And so you don't really expect to hear that word, you know, love being talked about the way you're talking about it. I feel it's probably because of your background as being a priest, right? That it's probably easier for you than maybe somebody else to be able to share that way. Mm-hmm. But such a valid point um, and that we should use that word and should act with love more frequently, more honestly, more caringly. Um, and I love that you're talking about that because I feel like more people need to hear that. 
Thank you, Candice. Thank you. I, I, it sort of, as you said, it comes naturally to me. But maybe it's it's the message that we have to get out there. Yeah, more, exactly. In, in more assertive way. And and yeah, when I when I look at our country, you know, which I love so much, I, I just really think that we can do so much better as oh. as a nation. As I'm in so many sectors, mm -hmm. right? You know, obviously in the political sector, but in so many others, there's so there's so. I don't want to get, get all negative, but I just would say there's so little love. Right? I think we can love much better as, as a human race. We can care for each other so much better, right? Whether it be our, our neighbor, whether it be people that we run into in the store. Mm -hmm. But if we go back, it's all about influence. We want a positive, when we positively influence each other, the world is going to be a better place. Your country will be a better place. Yeah. And so we've really lowered our, our standards. I think we've, even though we would consider ourselves a very developed country, I think we're very underdeveloped in that way. Mm -hmm. And we can do better. So maybe I need to be a little more louder about this message. Oh, yes. I think so. I think when you're doing your, because, you know, if an, I know that you're on LinkedIn and I know a lot of people can find you on LinkedIn and you and you're talking on there a lot. So people are listening. And I think that's a perfect place to start talking more about it. And I feel like you definitely could be the catalyst, you know, and then get more people talking and we would have that ripple effect. Yeah. And then that's how we make a difference, right? It is. Yes. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you for bringing that up. So and maybe that would be a good topic that I could uh, speak on more or give conferences on just from that focus of leadership is love and love and leadership love, something like that. Yes. Perfect. I love it. I'm there. I'm ready to listen. <laughs> Thank you. So tell us how our listeners can find you and is there something that you're you have going on right now that you want to share that you want people to know about thank you so well my website is live so that's in the entrepreneurial world that's a big deal when you get that because it means that at least i have more clarity about who i am and what i do mm -hmm. so there's a few so bracketalliance.com is the website where they can find me they can see matthew bracket official on instagram on Facebook and on TikTok, even though I, I have oh, wow. but yeah, it's there. <laughs> all right. So I have a great team that manages all those things. And but on my on my website, you'll see different, you know, when we talk about leading and loving and living, there's different things that that are and I, I like I use the results accelerator with a lot of people and it's about being able to lead and live better. And because it, it helps people identify them, know themselves a lot deeper, know their values, know their needs, know their vision as, well as regards their goals. And, and then we develop a very visual, colorful, and, and um, livable plan on how, or what I call a roadmap, on your roadmap to success on how to reach those results and what gets in the way. We identify both. What helps you get there? And very clearly, what gets in the way? And, and this will help you develop plans. So the results accelerated, the results roadmap. So that's something I use as regards love. I do work with couples. Um, it's important that two filters I use is that they uh, if they're if they really want to make their marriage work. So I don't really work with couples in, that are in crisis, they're, where their commitment or their marriage is in crisis. That's for other. I send them to other people. Um, but people who are really invested in making it work, they want to just refresh a few things. They want to see each other better, and they want to love better. And then the second filter is that they're willing to work on themselves and not only on their spouse <laughs> or their significant other. So right. if they pass those two filters, then we could be a good fit. 
and 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 so I bring them through using one or two very sophisticated assessments. I bring them through a journey of being able to know themselves better and to know their partner spouse better, and that leads to being able to love better. So that's yeah. the that's the part of, of of loving. And when we lead better, when we love better, we will most certainly live better. I love it. Kindness looks good on everyone. And that's why the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities podcast has partnered with The Kindness Cause, a creatively curated online shopping experience of fashion-forward gifts that donate to nonprofit organizations to help you shop with purpose and donate in style. Together, our mission is to spread kindness give back and empower individuals to pursue their dreams through our exclusive line of inspirational merchandise that not only uplifts your spirits, but also gives back to those in need. Every purchase donates to a charitable nonprofit organization. To see this exclusive line, make a purchase and support a cause, head over to the show notes for the direct link. Matthew on the podcast, you know, I asked the three P's, right? Okay. So what is something you're passionate about? People might not know about you. I kind of already said it, but I'm passionate about the human person. Uh, I love human beings. And in all of their diversity, all of their uniqueness, all of their challenges. And in all of their expressions. I'm passionate about the human person. I think this is interesting because, you know, I've heard all different things, what people are passionate about. People can say, oh, I love people. I'm passionate about human beings. But to elaborate, as you did, on all the aspects of people, and to like really think about each person as an individual and like the nuances of each person, like that's what comes across when I hear you say that. It's not just like, well, I'm passionate about humans, you know, it's like, it's so much deeper than that. And mm-hmm. I think that's what makes you like the person, like people would want to reach out to if they wanted to know themselves better, or if they wanted to work on their marriage or a relationship or that crossroads that you talked about between personal and professional. I mean, I feel that from you. So I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So my second question to you is, what is your definition of purpose? Oh, this is so good and yet so difficult. It's so funny as human beings how we have different we we can make simple things complex because there's a complexity about simple things. Purpose and I sometimes use another word meaning, but they're the, even though they're different. But I was just um a quick parenthesis or tangent. You know, in working with Marines, I always talk about our M and M's, which is meaning and motivation. Right, and because a lot of times we're like, you know, get motivated, Marine, or with anyone, you know, hey, get motivated, but. Meaning is so important for us. And that's and purpose is so important. When we have purpose, when we have meaning, then we are drawn to that. Right. And that's what keeps us going. 
But when we lose sight, and sometimes it can get meaning and purpose can get clouded, and that's a very that's what we call crisis. That can be a very tragic and difficult moment for a human being. But it happens, and so it's refreshing now. So excuse the tangent. But I would say that there's a few things that come to mind. That purpose is my passion in action. Another one might be purpose is my passion that draws me closer. So it's, it's, I would see purpose, I see it as very dynamic, not as stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very theoretical word, but I would say that, yes, that passion is something that draws me closer to itself. Purpose, sorry. Purpose is passion that draws me closer to itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I say it almost every single time I do, you know, an interview, but, you know, you would think like people's definition of purpose would be just like one linear thing, right? Everybody says the same. It's not. It's totally not. Everybody explains it differently, which is very cool. So it is cool, but it shows the complexity of a simple, of a simple concept. <laughs> right. Another thing I like to say is, is purpose is the fire of passion. Mm. I like that. Fire passion in your heart or under your rear end. It gets you moving. So <laughs> I have to, I have to might have to make that as a uh, Matthew Brackett quote. Okay. <laughs> when I share my uh my passion, purpose, and possibilities community Facebook page, I often put inspiring quotes. I might have to use your quote. That's fine. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, my last question to you last is. Time. Is there a possibility, a dream, or a vision you have that hasn't come to fruition yet? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> I've, 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 I'm at such a great place in life. I'm so thankful for everything that I've lived. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so I just want to say that I'm very thankful for so many experiences and for all the different people that have allowed me into that sacred space in their life and to be able to walk on not in those only in those sacred spaces, but also to walk on so many different cultural grounds and languages and to really meet people where they're at in so many different countries. So that's a lot of possibilities that have been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And others that haven't is I want I really want to I want to influence as many people as possible. That's one that's in a very meaningful way. I would love to influence, I really want to influence excuse the redundancy, highly influential people. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to work with politicians. I would love to work with very high-end business owners. Um, because when we change things at the top, then it, it trickles down in a very positive way. Right. Um, so that's something, on the on a lighter scale, but something I, you know, I, I would love to speak in front of large crowds because just to be able to nourish and nurture a lot of people. I find that very energizing, but also I would <laughs> I would love to sing, I and mean, I, I like to sing, and I would love to um, be able to to entertain through singing. That I, it might be a dream that I, I will go unfulfilled in this life, but but uh, at some point I would like to do it. Um, so yes, if I didn't ask you these things, I would never know these things about you, right? <laughs> this is how you get to know people by asking these. Crazy questions. Yes, <laughs> no, I love music. Really so entertaining through singing and entertaining through um, through music. 
or piano is I just it's a very beautiful thing it's something that I I've done but it's kind of a dream that I've never pursued um more intentionally I guess you need to do more visualizing on on that one (laughs) right that's right and I would love to uh the possibility of to be a good dancer going back to the same the arts I love the arts I think if I were to go back in time that was definitely one place that I would have maybe liked to spend my time well it's not too late you could definitely pursue that (laughs) especially like um being in Mexico City I would feel like you could you know, take some kind of like flamenco dancing or so, you know, something like that, like something. Salsa, there's a, there's a dance studio two blocks away. So yes. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> well, Matthew, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was, you know, I learned a lot and it was fun. And I know that our listeners, they're going to learn a lot and be inspired too. Okay, well, Everything you. will be in the show notes. So people will know how to get in touch with you. Excellent. Thank you very much, Candice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please submit a rating and review and share with a friend. This helps us reach more listeners so we can make a bigger impact. From time to time, we share our reviews live on our episode. Your review could be the next one we share. Please head on over to our website, passion, purpose, and possibilities.co to receive a free gift I am waiting for you. And if you heard something today that truly inspired you, I would love to hear about it. You can email me at Candice Snyder at passion, purpose, and possibilities.co. Thank you again for listening.